0: everybody welcome to episode number 297 of gun freedom radio where we engage we educate and we inform we are brought to you by azfirearms.com your nationwide hometown gun shop i am one of your hosts cheryl todd
1: and i'm the other guy dan todd our theme today is the pew pew jew our guest is yehuda reamer Yehuda is known as a Pew Pew Jew and also the author of Safety On, an introduction to the world of firearms for children. Being an Orthodox Jew, Jewish family that immigrated from Europe, Yehuda's grandfather experienced firsthand of horrors of what happened in the nation when the citizens are disarmed and restricted from owning the means to protect their lives and loved ones. When Yehuda said never again, he has a personal understanding of what that really means.
0: Absolutely. Well, welcome back to the show, Yehuda. It's been too long.
2: Oh, and thank you so much for having me. It's so great to be back.
0: Absolutely. My goodness. So um, I really want to start right there where Danny led us in this whole idea of of never again, um, and. I feel like there are some parallels going on right now here in our own beautiful, amazing, wonderful United States of America to what, what sort of led up to the horrors in, in Europe. And you've been sharing in, in little tiny bite-sized pieces on Instagram, memories of your grandfather and his life and some of the things that he went through as a boy. Um, so I thought maybe you could start there and, and lead us into that story.
2: Yeah, so my, my grandfather grew up in a city called Ludge, It was in Poland. And, you know, it was amazing growing up with him. He never really talked about the Holocaust. He, he never really mentioned what he went through. He had tattooed, you know, he had the numbers tattooed on his arm. Um, so I knew he wasn't just, you know, went to one of the smaller camps. I mean, he was in Auschwitz Mm -hmm. and survived Auschwitz. But as I was growing older and when I I went to Israel for a sabbatical and during that year, I made a trip, a Holocaust-oriented trip to Europe. And when I came back, I kind of built a new connection with my grandfather, because here I am visiting all these places that he lived the horrors of. And one day he just opened up to me and to my grandmother. We were sitting together and my grandmother turns to me afterwards. And he's like, you know, I've been married to him for 60 years and he's never once talked about that." She goes, I did not know that's what happened to him. And he, you know, he was 14 years old when he went into Auschwitz and he, uh, he was so small that they kind of just issue, here's a shirt, here's pants. If it doesn't fit you and it slows you down, too bad. So my great grandfather, he actually traded in his daily ration of bread for a belt mm. so that my grandfather can have a belt wrapped around him. Um, which my family still has to this day. That belt, we, we still have it. Uh, but he was pulling gold teeth out of dead bodies at oh. age at age fourteen. Um, he was in eleven different camps, and this is before I got into firearms. Even you know, I started really educating myself and studying the Holocaust and studying the horrors and the history and the the pre Holocaust Europe. And one thing that, you know, really hit me hard was when Hitler came to power, one of the first things he did was enforce gun registration, is that if you were a Jew, not only were you not allowed to own guns and stuff like that, but before that, you all, everyone had to register their firearms. Uh, and, and of course, in the name of public safety, right? Uh, which yes. is what we hear now. It's all, it's all about public safety. And one, you know, one thing led to, leads to another. And then obviously gun, gun registration leads to gun confiscation, which led to 1938, Kristallnacht, when thousands of uh, businesses were destroyed in Europe, and, which leads eventually to the Holocaust. And for me... The, the term never again is not just lip service, right? There's a lot of Jews, unfortunately, that say never again, never again. But then they rely on the government to save them from you know whatever anti-Semitic attacks are happening, or you know, if if you you need guards in the shul, you know, in, in your synagogue, well, yeah, guards are good, but you're your own first line of defense. So for me, Never Again really took on the persona of Never Again means nothing if you're not willing to do something about it. And taking my life in my hands, educating myself, training, getting a license to carry, all of that to me is what Never Again truly means.
1: Absolutely. My goodness. Yeah, I, I just don't understand that's, you know, the the problems and the issues that, y'all, that all the Jewish people went through back then and how they... Can't, I mean, they depend on the government. I mean, a lot of them want their government to protect them. When the government destroyed them in the past, you would think that you would learn from that and say never again and do something about it.
0: Sort of a, a wish rather than a plan. And you have set in motion more of a never again as a plan, uh, not only for yourself, but for your children, for your wife, <clears throat> uh, for your family. And, um, you know, going back again to the first generation of your family that came to the United States, um, was that your grandfather? Was that your parents? Who was the first generation? And what was the prevailing attitude toward firearm ownership at that time in your family?
2: So it's interesting. I, I don't, I know, Okay. So I know both sets of my grandparents came after Europe. My parents were all uh, both my se- both my parents, my mother and my father were both born in America, but my grandparents all came from Europe. And on my father's side, again, I don't gun- guns were just not a thing. No, I didn't grow up around guns. I didn't grow up around firearms. It was never talked about. I mean, yeah, I had my Nerf guns and you know my little cap guns and stuff like that, but actual firearms, actual Second Amendment conversations was just, it wasn't a thing in my household growing up. Um, I do know my father's side never talked about guns. Um, They all thought I was crazy when I first started getting into guns. Uh, And then on my mother's side, my grandfather joined after being um, liberated by Americans at the end of the war, he immigrated to America. He actually joined the Air Force, the U.S. Air Force. So he he is a he was a veteran. He owned some kind of rifle. Um, I I don't know what rifle. Um, I never saw it. They got rid of it before I was into firearms. So I don't know. But I don't think he was. I don't think he was necessarily pro gun pro second amendment. I he was a gun owner. Uh, so I, I don't know really how far the, the, how much they were into firearms as I am. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, it's a different than back, even my day when, when my um, dad had guns, you know, in the family, they, you wouldn't call him a pro second amendment. He was just a pro gun owner. And the reason was that they didn't, he wasn't pro second amendment is because there was no threat. The threat was very minimal back then. And now. It's, it's a big threat. And Mm -hmm. so the people that do have guns have to say, I got to do something about this. Right.
0: So, and that's kind of my next question is, you know, you being uh, a bridge Yehuda between, you know, understanding in a very personal way, what um, so many people, including your grandfather endured the horrors that, that so many people endured uh, after certain Uh, rules were put in place, laws were put in place, these well-meaning common sense, you know, for your own good gun laws. And now the things that are being proposed under uh, the Biden-Harris initial actions, which tells you right there, this is just the start of what they want to do. Um, What, what can you say to me, how does this hit your ear And what can you say to people as maybe a caution to say, we really need to focus up here and, and pay attention, even if we're not gun owners, if you care at all about our children and our children's children's generation and what direction we're going, we need to, this is kind of like all hands on deck time.
2: Yeah. You know, unfortunately I, I think by 2021 people have made up their minds, right? So I can, I can scream from the top of a hill, right? Guys, pay attention. This is exactly how Nazism started. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This is literally the predecessor to gun registration, gun confiscation. I can say that people who follow me on Instagram, people who follow me on Facebook, Twitter, all of these things, they either are like, yeah, man, you know, never again, we're never going to let it happen. Or people are just like, you know, you're crazy. It, it will never happen. It, I, I think at this point, and it doesn't mean I'm gonna silence myself and I'm not going to stop yelling from the top of my you know at the top of my lungs. However, I think at this point, it's very if people haven't woken up by now, I, I don't think they're, they're either, they either aren't gonna wake up or they just don't care. Mm-hmm. They don't think it'll happen. Like well, this is America, right? Things like that don't happen in America. Well, yeah. Germany was considered, you know, the epicenter of grace and, and innovation at that time who everyone said like, oh, please, Germany, they would never do something like that. I mean, even, even as reports were coming out of the concentration camps, there were Jews around Europe who are like, no, it's not happening. Come on, it that can't be true. And then before you know it, you're in the cattle cars.
1: Mm. Well, well uh, I, I was looking in some time, uh, look, time magazines and Hitler got man of the year award mm-hmm. in time. In
2: 1933,
1: magazine. I think it was yeah. mm-hmm. man of the year. Yeah. And so Himmler were a too.
0: crazy conspiracy yeah. theorist. Yeah. Even back then, if you were right. like some something, something's not smelling right. Something doesn't feel right. So, so go <clears> on with what you're saying. You, you know, the next thing you know, you wake up and you're the one that's in the cattle car.
2: Yeah. Uh, look, I have a contingency plan. I have friends. Um, within driving distance of my house, um, not necessarily like when I say driving distance, a couple hours, you know, but they're like, hey, man, if, if you need to make an escape because they're coming after the Jews, you know, we're we're here for you. We'll we'll you, you, you don't have to worry. Mm-hmm. So and, and I've had conversations with people in my community about it. I'm like, guys, you don't you don't care to even make a plan. You don't even want to hear it. Mm-hmm. however if god forbid something happens you're not coming with me sorry my my mission my my mission my focus is to save me my wife and my kids mm-hmm. you guys are all a very distant second mm-hmm. to my my mission and that is my family yeah. so yeah. Uh, you know it's just like i said you either are up and see what's going on, or you just aren't paying attention and you know, you're gonna what's it? You're gonna get caught with your pants down type of thing, right? It's it's that's literally what's gonna what's gonna happen.
1: Well, Yehuda, it's sort of like, you know, if with your mindset, then you'll be able to see the little advances that the government takes to get to where they want to go. Whereas the person that's not caring, they're not even gonna notice it's gonna be too late, just like it was in Germany. They fed them small increments of of stuff regulations and to a point where okay now you can't defend yourself now we're going to come put you in box cars and and take you to
2: yeah campus. no and, uh, if absolutely. they would
1: have done that immediately they would have fought them
2: but- no i mean absolutely you know there's ben carson got dragged through the mud years ago when he said you know if if the jews didn't turn in their guns you know the holocaust could have been drastically different now, everything's up to God. If God wanted it to happen, then it was going to happen one way or another. Yes. However, look at the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, right? The Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, in essence, opened a third front. Yes. I mean, the Jews of Warsaw fighting against the Nazis literally lasted longer than both the French army and the Polish army lasted against the Germans. They they had to get... a Thousands upon thousands of soldiers into Warsaw to fight against a band of two, three thousand Jews.
1: Wow, that is awesome.
2: And this was after the liquidation. Imagine if Jews woke up and were like, you know what? We need an army of six, seven, eight thousand people to fight back. Mm -hmm. I mean, you literally would have had a third front opened up. And who knows what that could have meant for the war in general. I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not saying that it could have changed, but it's a very interesting hypothesis to think of.
0: Absolutely. You used the word liquidation. Uh, can you explain that?
2: Oh, well, uh, you know, the Germans came in and literally liquidated, liquidated the Jews. I mean, came in, threw them in ghettos,
0: took everything they owned, everything, took everything ever they owned, organized
2: there. them in one little area. And then when there was time, they're like, all right, we're taking you to a better place. And, you know, depending on where you were in the, in, in Europe, you know, uh, lots of people ended up in Auschwitz, a lot of people, you know, Bergen-Belsen, Treblinka, uh, Dachau, uh, Mauthausen, I mean, tons and tons of different concentration camps. A lot of them were death camps. A lot of them were working camps. Um, but, you know, uh, they liquidated they they I mean again Warsaw had 300,000 Jews in it before you know before the Nazis came in 300,000 300,000 and then by the time the Warsaw ghetto uprising which actually the I think the technically started april 19th i think it was maybe there was maybe that was the last like the big battle um but uh you know by by the end there were i think a couple hundred left maybe a couple thousand left that managed to get out and survive i mean if that's not what if that's not what liquidating is i mean i don't know what is
0: yeah no, I, I don't disagree. I just didn't want people to be scratching their head going, wait a minute, what does that term mean? Right. Um, yeah. No, and exactly you know, they, what it
2: means. They, they, they literally liquidated the ghettos in the cities of Jews so that no Jews remained.
1: And they say that can never happen again, but yet we see it happening in different forms, but the same thing, in countries all over the world. Well, yeah.
0: and it starts with an othering, right? So uh we we start focusing our attention through the media and different ways of people, you know, acceptable uh bigotry. And then as soon as you've got this other group over there where it's okay for everybody to, you know, um, you know, vilify them, right? Um, and diminish them as human beings and uh we clearly saw i mean you can go back and see step for step for step the marketing campaign against the jewish people in in that time in europe and you know i'm not going to answer the question for people i'm just going to say hey think about it for a minute put yeah. your mind to it and tell me tell yourself tell your your spheres of influence who do you see that happening to currently and why might that be happening currently? Um, and if it happens to be people who are firearms owners, um, you know, why, why, what is, why is there such a push uh, for that to happen? And of course, I'm you know, speaking to our, our audience out there when I say these things and I, I challenge people to think for themselves um, and listen to the things, the, the packaging of of the phraseology that you hear on the nightly news in air quotes but um you know there's there's always a reason that someone is saying something to you um you know what what do you feel like you're seeing on the landscape there Yehuda
2: So it, the good thing is you know they can they can vilify gun owners as much as they want and I mean they've been doing it for years however we have the guns you know what I'm saying it's not like Like we have a means to defend ourselves uh, if need be. So I'm not really worried more. I think there's enough gun owners out there who would be, who really would not give up their firearms to the point where, I mean, you have the largest civilian army Mm -hmm. uh, just from gun owners. So they can vilify us all they want, um, but it will come to a point that if they try to take our guns, our army is much bigger than their army. Well, uh, and,
0: and I want to take you back to, you know, you talked about the the small contingent of people um, in Europe that didn't give up their guns and, and created that third front. And then I also want to take us both to how our our nation was founded, the people that, that fought, bled, starved, and died to have the opportunity to write this Constitution and Bill of Rights, our recipe book, our our roadmap, whatever you, you want to think of it as. Blueprint for life. Blueprint for life, right? And how did that happen? That happened because shopkeepers and farmers had their firearms, didn't give them up at Lexington and Concord when the, the <clears throat> most powerful uh, fighting force on the planet at that time, uh, Great Britain, rode up to... Alleviate uh, the citizenry of their firearms and ammunition stocks, uh, and and they said um, no. It, it's a full sentence. No together is a full sentence. They said it. They backed it up, and our Second Amendment and our firearms—that uh, is our or else clause. Do you agree with that, Yehuda?
2: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Uh, you know. And, and what's interesting though is just a small correction. The Jews of Warsaw didn't have guns. They started ambushing Nazi patrols, stealing their weaponry, smuggling weapons into the ghetto. So they actually gave up their guns, but realized, you know, if we're going to have even a chance of survival, you know, Sam Colt made, uh, was it, God made man, Sam Colt made them equal. I mean, if they thought they, they realized that their, their only means of survival, the only way to be equal, was to fight fire with fire. Boy,
0: absolutely, the, and I thank you for that correction. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, no, no problem. problem.
1: Yeah. The problem I see, you know, with this whole thing is that it. The government is doing exactly what they did back then, at the start. Okay, we just we just want you to register your guns. Mm. We have to save the children. We need mm. to register your gun. Now, so we all eventually are going to get to a point that we're going to have to register our guns if we want to be lawful citizens. If we don't want to be lawful citizens and we don't register our guns, then we have a lot of consequences could happen over that, right? So now um, they've registered all your guns. They know where they are. They're going to come and get them. They'll do it. You know, Yehuda, if right now somebody knocked on your door and there are seven policemen there, saying we're taking your guns you don't have a chance right well no. the only chance you have is your next door neighbor sees that you're getting raided and he can flee and get away mm. but so they're they're not stupid they know what they're doing look at you know california did the same thing there you can have a 50 caliber you just need to let us know that you have it and then once everybody registered their guns and by the way if you don't register your guns you're you're going to go to jail and you're going to be away from your family and so now that all their 50s were registered they said well if you don't get them out of the state within 30 days or whatever it was you are going to be arrested and the guns are going to be confiscated so you have to take it out of the state so they know what they're doing and oh well, yeah of course the problem is that we are kind of just sitting there waiting instead of fighting them now and saying no, we're not going to register our guns. No, we're not going to do this. We're kind of complying. Well, it's only AR-15s. I don't even have an AR-15. What do I care if they take our AR-15 away? Right?
0: It's only bump stock. Right? It's I only a bump stock. bump stock. So what do I? Care? So,
1: so you know, I I fear that we need to do the work now, not have to do the work later, no. not have to fight later. No. Absolutely. No. Um,
0: so. Very well said, both of you. And uh I want to shift gears a little bit uh with Yehuda. Now, obviously, you've had a lot of tragedy in your your family's background, um, as we've been talking about, but honestly, you Yehuda are one of the funniest guys that we know. Uh, you've created some hilarious graphic tees and you have a few books now. Some are serious and some are funny. And um, I just want to talk about that. Uh, this awesome. one was your very first, and it was serious, safety on. And then this one was funny. Your, I think it was your second one, the ABCs of guns. It's like, you know, instead of like A is for Apple, you've got A is for, you know.
2: AR and yeah. AR, Armalite. And you and know. Ammunition. Did
1: spur- you send those to all the congressmen so they'd understand <laughs> what...
0: Ar eighteen
1: is who you wrote is. these for. No, I, I, was the I, send, I
2: send I copies to MSNBC and CNN with little tags. That C is for clips, M is for magazines.
0: I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh! And then uh, this one is one of your more recent ones, and truly my favorite because you know it is those twenty-seven words that are our Second Amendment. That's That's the line between slavery and and freedom. Uh, and so this is just a beautifully illustrated book, and you know, for kids, but but for us big kids too. Um, so uh, talk to us a little bit about all of these ventures that you have going on.
2: Yeah, so it's interesting. My first book, Safety On, I wrote uh, out of a necessity because I realized that I wanted to educate my children on firearm safety, and I found that there were no real good resources, right? Not knocking Eddie Eagle program, but all they do is talk about what to do if they find a gun somewhere it's not supposed to be. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more. And I'm not knocking Project Child safe, but Mm -mm. all they really do is here's some free locks. And that's not really gun safety because let's be honest, I think a majority of people that you and I know, and I'm probably, I, I feel safe to say, a majority of gun-owning Americans don't use those locks. They have a safe, but no one really uses those locks. So there was a necessity that I realized had to be filled, and um, that it, that's where safety on came in. Uh, came in. I it's a book that touches on all aspects of gun safety, from range rules, four cardinal rules. Um, you know, just keeping your your guns uh, clean as a matter of respect to them. You got to respect the firearm. Uh, you know, locking them up when you're not in use. And the book is told through the eyes of a little boy. That way, it's more of a peer to peer conversation rather than an adult saying, "You know, don't do this, don't do that." So I wrote that one, converted it to a coloring book. So there's a coloring book version as well. And then we have the ABCs of Guns, which um, I wrote because I was sick and tired of teaching my kids a is for Apple. And let's be honest, X is not for xylophone. Okay. I I don't (laughs) care how xylophone X is not for xylophone because it doesn't even sound like it. So um, yeah, X is for X marks the spot, right? You get that little crosshair in the middle there, but um, you know, it just came to the point where I figured that would just be a super fun way for parents to educate their children on different parts of a gun because let's say your child somehow picks up or finds a gun um, and they're standing there and, you know, you obviously don't want to just grab it from them because God forbid, Mm. you know, something can, you know, it can discharge. But, you know, if you say, hey, take your finger off the trigger. Well, instead of a kid picking up the gun, looking at it, pointing at it himself saying, oh, where's the trigger? You know, my four-year-old right now he walks around with his Nerf gun. And when I see him with his finger on the trigger, I'm like, buddy, finger off the trigger. And immediately, he doesn't even have to look at the gun. He just does it. So mm-hmm. that's why I wrote uh, ABCs of Guns, a, a way to keep parents interested in educating their children. And also, let's be honest, it's a fun book, right? Like for any for any age. Um,
0: it is. And look who sponsored it. Yes, Second the Second Amendment, Second Amendment Foundation.
2: Foundation. They, they came in the clutch. They uh, sponsored the book, and I'm forever uh, grateful to them.
0: That is fantastic. And one of my favorites is um, uh, F the folding stock. Isn't that the part that makes the gun much more dangerous? According to one of those ridiculous speeches that we hear, um, the the politicians make. You know, Absolutely. The part that folds down. That's that's the really scary. The part.
1: folding thing yeah. thing they call the yeah. thing there. You know that <laughs> so, thing there.
0: Um. And then this guy,
1: and then there's
2: 27 words, which Mm. it's funny out of all six of my books that I have out 27 words, I think really to me is the most special one because we as adults and as gun owners, you know, we educate our children to shoot. We teach them to shoot. We teach them gun safety. And if you ask most people, why do we do that? Well, most people say like, oh, we just want them to be safe. But in reality, there's a much deeper level of understanding of why we, uh, you know, teach our children to shoot. Well, because we have the Second Amendment at, that we're allowed to, to do that. So my vision for this book was you can train your child to be the next John Wick, mm-hmm. but if they don't appreciate the, the Second Amendment and how it protects our other freedoms, mm-hmm. then who cares if they can shoot well? It, to me, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah, they need case. to understand the freedoms that we hold dear are protected by 27 words.
0: Exactly. And it's the legal uh, constitutional um, expression of our God given, our, our creator given, our natural rights to protect our one and only uh, God-given life. So, um, you know, there will be people out there that are like, no, the constitution doesn't give you your rights. We understand that. We're just, yeah, exactly.
2: We, you know, we all understand that.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, the sponsor who stepped up for this one is the firearms policy coalition. This yes. is another powerful organization. Talk to us about what they do and, and the second amendment foundation. What do they do? They're sort of like that front line. Uh, out there nationally helping uh, preserve these things, right?
2: Absolutely, so, so people across social media, I mean, I'm not gonna get into the whole NRA fiasco, but there's obviously a lot of disenchanted people when it comes to the NRA nowadays. And a lot of people always ask me like, where, where should we give our money? We wanna support our organization. And uh, my first two answers, and not because they sponsored my books, <laughs> is the Second Amendment Foundation, the Firearms Policy Coalition. And that's because they are literally on the front lines. Every legal battle that you see in defense of the Second Amendment right now, across the country, all of it is coming from these two. I mean, you also have Gun Gun Owners of America, which I'm a big supporter of as well. But these two in particular are, are just doing fantastic work in defending our rights on a, 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 I'm not even gonna say daily basis, a minute by minute basis, because they are in every state, in every county, and they are just destroying everything in their path. So um, I'm a a huge supporter of both 2AF and uh, FPC.
0: Absolutely. And I, I want to apologize on Dan's behalf. I know he would, if he was sitting here, I think he's having a, like a little asthma, uh, something going on. Everything is blooming here in Arizona and, uh, Holy cow, our allergies are murdering us. Um, so he stepped away for just a second to, to catch his breath. And, um, so I wanted to ask you, you know, you are the pew pew Jew. I want you to show people your shirt and your coffee cup, uh, oh
2: say it's the same design so i'll just uh, let's see there we go rabbi blessed god approved the pew pew jew
0: that's awesome and uh, so you you lead with the fact that you are uh of that particular faith of the jewish faith and so would you say that out there in the interwebs um and welcome back are you okay
1: i don't know <laughs> <laughs> allergies um, are really bad right now
0: absolutely um, out there and on social media, would you say you have more followers who are you know of the similar faith of the Jewish faith, or do you even know?
2: I mean, I definitely know I have um, some Jew. I mean, uh, uh, actually, nice contingent of Jewish followers. Um, I'm I'm gonna put money that most of them are not Orthodox, which again, I don't care. But I have people, you know, left and right reaching out to me. Um, buying my camo yarmulkes and um, saying, Hey, you know, you're giving us faith back in, you know, our Jewish faith, just because, you know, to see someone who of the Orthodox persuasion out there defending America, defending the second amendment, uh, you know, it puts our faith back in Judaism. I have people telling me that I inspire them to, you know, people in Chicago, get their Floyd card, get a gun, train, learn, I mean, I'm getting message like messages like this um, across the board, but I, as well as I'm also getting uh, tons of messages which which are so special to me from people are like, hey, you know, we we aren't we're not Jewish, but we support the hell out of what you're doing and and anything we can do to help you. So I, I am getting, I, I'm reaching people, I'm making a difference in pe- with you know with people's mindset, and all the all the while I'm doing it as an Orthodox Jew. I mean, I, I don't shy away from the fact. That I can't, I don't do things on Saturdays, um as as you're very well aware of. Um, i I miss a lot of things because, I mean, our buddy Kevin, sona, right? he he begged me to uh, come to the Florida Carry event or whatever it's called. And he was he was trying, I mean, I God bless him, right? He was trying everything in his power to try to like work around my, my schedule. restrictions, my <laughs> schedule, my, my restrictions on Friday night to Saturday night, just to get me there and speak. I'm like, listen, I'm not sleeping at the campsite. He's like, well, can't you just walk back to the hotel? I'm like, isn't it like a 20 mile walk? Like, I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like, this is not happening. So, you know, you, you do, you know, I do miss out on a lot of things. Um, but the way I see it is If I'm going to be successful, if I'm going to be making a difference in people's lives, it won't be on Saturday. Whether you see me. Yeah.
0: And God is clearly blessing your efforts because look how effective you have been and that you are. And, and you can't like, if there's a, everything's on the weekend, right? Gun rights policy conference, you know, the biggest conference in, in the, of the year, you know, everything happens on the weekends and you honor your restrictions and obligations and yet still you are so effective and you are in so many places and you just maximize uh and and god helps you maximize what uh when you are available right so um i think that's fantastic and and i love it that kevin was like but what if we
1: well kevin how
0: about if we yeah was trying to change
1: saturday to thursday he was going to say let's officially make Saturday Thursday. Yeah, there you go. To get you to come. Yeah.
0: But- yeah. I
2: mean, it, look, it I look, I appreciate it. Like, I tell everybody, I'm like, really, I I know Cheryl you and I are on a, a planning committee together and I say it all the time to you guys, I want I want what's best for Amcon, right? I mm-hmm. that's what I want. I don't need you to arrange around my schedule. I appreciate it, but this is, this is the cards life has dealt me and I'm okay with it. I mm-hmm. want, if I'm part of something, although let's ca- call it my presence there mm-hmm. might enhance it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that um, it doesn't mean that you have to arrange it and cater to my needs. I, I want whatever we're planning, whatever we're doing to be as successful as possible. So if that means that it's, you know, you'll get more traffic, more followers, more exposure on a Saturday, mm-hmm. then that, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it is what it is, but like you said, you know, I, I'm, I'm making, I'm making a headway and I'm inspiring people. Um, I'm getting out there. I mean, I, I know I have two new books coming. I know one of them, we, I, I, I it's public at this point. The second one, I mean, you saw Cheryl. I know. I know you were gracious enough to write a review for it, but um, I told you the other people who wrote a review for it, and yeah, you have to be making a difference to have those people um, on the back of your book. So
0: absolutely, you know, we're talking I'm, I'm, about your your Sabbath, which is from Friday at sun sundown, yes, yep. to Saturday at sundown. Mm-hmm. So Sunday, I mean, if we just start doing more stuff on Sunday, we <clears throat> we can get you, you know, at many more things. But um, before we move off of the the books and the the graphic tees and stuff like that, what is the book that I don't have in front of me that you just alluded to?
2: So I I have two books coming out. One I can't talk about yet. Um, however, the the book that should be released in about a month from now is called Ten Little Gun Grabbers, and. <laughs> Uh, how let me see appropriate
0: for this particular yeah. moment in history
2: I don't know if we can see it but that's
0: yeah there it
2: is there Let's we go that's that's that. uh 10 little gun grabbers it's it's basically it, I, I thought about it just because we hear so many things about gun control coming and and hitting hitting our way and and this book was literally um I wrote it in like three or four days uh just kind of a a knock at the gun grabbers so um and and you you will be you will laugh very hard when you see who i dedicated the book to
0: Mm, you're gonna tell us or gonna wait for i i could
2: i could tell you um i actually dedicated the book to barack obama
0: (laughs) the biggest uh gun salesman of all time until COVID hit so yeah yeah
2: exactly so i you know i wrote i wrote to number 44 you challenged, I accepted. So, uh, uh, yeah. So, Ten Little Gun Grabbers is dedicated to former President Barack Obama, and I'm very excited about that.
0: Nicely done, sir. I love. I and that's gonna that come way. out in about a month.
2: Um, I'm, I'm, my aim is for May 15th. However, if I because of the two way atmosphere right now, if I could get it out sooner, um, it, it will be out uh it's gonna be out as soon as possible but definitely by may 15th
0: so um we do need to start wrapping up but the graphic teas that you make there's you have some that are just absolutely hilarious um and then there's a couple that would be so good for mother's day is coming up soon and one of my favorites is it's just um spent brass that are kind of steaming and it says hotter than spent brass am i saying that right
2: you, you are. Yeah. It's a, it's a ste- three steaming uh, casings from what looks to be, I mean, it was digital, so I don't even know, but it looks to be like AR 15 rounds, five, five, six. And the steam comes up into the wording that says hotter than spent brass. Uh, that's
0: brass. That, I love yeah, it.
2: That's, that's been a very, very, um, very successful shirt for me. Uh, a lot of the ladies like that one.
0: And there's another one that kind of gives a nod to maybe like a Marilyn Monroe kind of a a yes. figure. What's that one?
2: So that one um, is a, a big nod to Marilyn Monroe from um, "Gentlemen Prefer Blondes," and there's that whole famous song where she's wearing this bubblegum pink dress, and you know, diamonds are a girl's best friend. So you see a woman in a short blonde hair long pink bubblegum dress with an ammo case in one hand and then it looks like she's sprinkling ammo and it says ammo is a girl's best friend <laughs>
0: that's so awesome yeah i think those would be great for mother's day coming up so everybody out there listening
1: go to what's your website
2: website is the very
1: good were you gonna say something no that's that's awesome yeah i, I might want one of those shirts <laughs>
0: He would wear it too. All right. Well, Yehuda, thank you so much for all that you do, um, for all this time that you've spent with us. And um, I want you to tell folks how they can follow everything that you do because you, you're you spinning a lot of plates all the time.
2: I am. I, my, my plates are not just spinning, but they're full. Um, <laughs> but you can find me really just any, any social media platform. Just look for The Pew Pew Jew. Um don't forget the a lot of people do and say we can't find you, but it's the pew pew, Jew, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh Maywe or however you pronounce it, Parlor. Um, just the pew pew. Jew, and you know, I'm very active and I answer people. I, I actually spend about an hour a day uh answering emails and, and messages. I, I try to be very interactive with my followers. So you have questions, comments, um, hateful messages, hateful tweets. I mean, I'll I'll respond to nearly all of it. So. Very
0: good. Well, thank you again so much. You are such a good friend. We just love you. And, uh, you know, I didn't mention that you, uh, one of our guests today had a schedule conflict and in like practically 10 minutes time, I was like, Yehuda, can you come on? And you were like, I'm here. It's not a Friday night. I'm here, right? (laughs)
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a photographer also. So, you know, I shoot people for money in the afternoon. So I had some time in the morning. <laughs>
0: yeah. With, with a wink. I, with shoot. a wink. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Yehuda. We will talk soon. Thanks, Sounds
2: we'll good. Thanks you. for having
1: me guys. Oh, bye bye. <clears throat> wow. I don't know what happened to me there, but.
0: Oh my goodness. Hey, so. You were like, I'm like, honey, I, take know, a drink. I, I couldn't Like, <laughs> you gotta step away because I can't have you pass out. And if you do pass out, I'm gonna continue with the show. You realize well, this, right? You know,
1: but <laughs> it's because yeah, yeah, we'll call the ambulance afterwards. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> Yehuda is making these books for kids to for to educate kids mm-hmm. and to teach them the how to handle a gun and all the things that need to be done. Mm-hmm. And the opposite side, the people that are saying it's for the children, they just want to completely remove firearms from the uh, equation. And the negative about that is that, first of all, you're never going to remove all the firearms. Right. Okay. So, so if you look at that and say, okay, we need to educate our children that, you know, you educate them about the knives in your drawer, you educate them about If you can teach them responsibility at a younger age, then when they get ready to drive a car, they're going to be a lot better with that car than if you teach them not to be responsible. So the whole key is it's a lot of work, Mm -hmm. but you have to start the kids young and you teach them to be responsible, respectful, and you do teach them about dangers. You don't hide them from them. You know, the glowing rock out in the middle of the desert. Don't touch that, (laughs) right?
0: How do you not touch a glowing rock? I
1: know, And, and the same thing with... You know, uh, you, I mean, there's so many things, but um, if you teach them young and teach them to respect things, you can teach them at three, four years old to know not to touch a firearm.
0: Absolutely. And I, I love uh, how Yehuda was talking about, you know, safety, uh, education goes beyond, it. you know, it's a good starting place, like <coughs> the locks and the, the Eddie Eagle, stop, don't touch uh, run away and tell a grown-up. That's a great starting place, but don't stop there. There's so right. much more, um, you know, to to keeping people safe, and especially as as children grow older and become more and more curious, and right. um, you know, there's so much that can be taught to children through the shooting sports. Right? There's focus. There's discipline. There's responsibility. There's opportunity for family time on the range or out hunting. And so it all starts with that safety. And then when you have these groups out there, right, that are really what they are is the anti-rights people um, that call themselves some kind of, you know, every town for gun safety. No, Are they it's... teaching anybody safety classes? <clears throat> I'm, I'm unaware if they are.
1: No. And, and please, I want to caution parents. You know, you tell a kid, do not touch this gun doesn't mean that they're not going to touch the gun it takes work and i guess that's the reasons why the other side is so strong with what they do because there's no work in it mm-hmm. you know if you don't have to teach your kids about responsibility safety mm-hmm. then you don't have to down not mess with it mm-hmm. because you know darn well you can't tell a kid you know don't touch the trigger don't do this and right. and and they understand it and they get it right at that second but 2 hours later then they need help again they have to you have so, to work with them so what if
0: we applied that to swimming pools or right. lakes right or rivers and <clears throat> we just said you know
1: go go in that water don't
0: go in that water okay we've done our job we've said no and we don't have a pool in our backyard so we did our job and take took care of our responsibility as a the kid knows parent.
1: not to go near that water
0: right because i told them right? Right, right probably a bunch of times i said don't yeah it, is that how we behave when there is something out there that they could encounter a lake a river somebody else canal pool, a canal right here in arizona we have a lot of open uh, canals moving water to the agricultural area. We have
1: riverbeds too, but you can't drown in our riverbeds because they're dry.
0: There's no water there. Um, But then when there is, you know, so when they do encounter these things, you haven't empowered them with education about how to interact with that. I don't understand why people try to separate out, you know, those kinds of things. Why wouldn't you empower your child, your grandchildren, your nieces and nephews with, all of the education that you can possibly give them. You can empower them with education and knowing how to interact with firearms and still tell them that your family's values right. are, well, we don't own guns and so we don't want to own guns. But if you should happen to come across one, or if your friend at his house or her house shows you one, here are some basic
1: pieces and that's what of information
0: <clears throat> that empowers you to be the responsible one in the room the safe
1: one right and that's what the eddie eagle program is really good for Mm -hmm. they teach kids stop don't touch run away call an adult Mm -hmm. that is the ideal situation for any lazy parents out there okay (laughs) if you don't want them involved if you just do (laughs) that like
0: the lowest bar
1: you can teach the kids because you know we also taught that with our grandchild yeah and it's a it's a stepping stone and And she could sing it
0: she would walk around the house singing it right and so she knew and she wouldn't touch it it. we had a gun shop
1: and she would come to the gun shop and she wouldn't touch a single gun she wouldn't run away right but so with that and so you know or you know infants there are infants that parents have taught them to swim Mm -hmm. okay so now that parent can be be pretty sure to know that When the baby you know gets a little older and goes next door to people that have a pool Mm -hmm. that they don't have to worry that if the if the kid falls in the pool it could swim out right and that's that's the thing but that's a lot of work you know how hard it is to teach an infant to swim it takes hours and hours and hours of work you can't just throw them in the water and expect it we've got a baby in our house baby grandchild she's a year and a half Mm -hmm. and she is has no fear of the water and that's scary Mm -hmm. because she will go to it. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're working with her. We're not leaving. Her, we're not leaving her around water by herself. Right. <clears throat> and we're working with her so that she knows that there are dangers in this water. Absolutely. So. All
0: right. Well, we've got to wrap up. Uh, this was such a fun conversation, such an important, important conversation <clears throat> with Yehuda Reamer. Uh, thank you so much, Yehuda, for, for everything that you do and for diving in on short notice. Um, to, to have this conversation with us today. Thank you to our awesome listeners yes. all over the planet. If there is internet, we have people who are eager and hungry to tune in and, and learn from uh, the subject matter experts that we bring on this show every single week. And uh, you know we value that. Your time is your most valuable commodity, and uh, we appreciate. We recognize it and we appreciate it. Um, and when you take these conversations into your sphere of influence, that's where, that's where change happens. That's where minds are expanded. That's where, uh, relationships really bonds are deepened. Um, you know, whether you find out there's things that you agree on more or disagree on more, uh, it's an interesting part of a relationship when you, when you can, you know, kind of you know, have these kind of conversations and say, well, this expert that I heard said X, Y, or Z, and here's how I feel about it. I either agree or I disagree. Anyway, it's, it's um, wonderful that you, you all are doing that in where, wherever you are all across the, gro- the globe. And until next time, what are we going to do all together?
1: We're going to make sure that I clear my throat and can breathe before I come on the air. Yes. Oh, that's a good thing. <laughs> we're going to pray for our nation.
0: We are. We're going to pray for our, you can fill in the blank, right? right. <clears throat> Representatives, elected officials. That's enough. Like, if you want to use the word leaders, well, you know, there are leaders in um, your church, there's leaders in your family. Hey, what was so
1: great about Great in... Britain back then?
0: Because uh, they put the word "great" in front of it.
1: So that's so they. We'd be figure, the
0: Great U.S. if we wanted to be. We just great, go on well, a marketing campaign. Maybe
1: that's the next president with the Great U.S.
0: The Great U.S. Um, so yes, pray for our leaders, all of them, maybe.
1: You said leaders. Yes, e- all of them.
0: Even the ones that maybe you don't particularly care for.
1: Oh, I love them all. <laughs> <laughs> They're just so ah. special. The way they tell us. The way we vote them in and then they tell us what we can and can't do. I just love is Isn't that wonderful? That's very special that they do that. And
0: um, we need to pray for that and pray for our 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 abilities to speak back to that. Um, so anyway, yes, all of them, even the ones you don't like, <clears throat> maybe especially the ones you don't like. Until next time, be good to each other. Have a great day. God bless. Bye-bye.